Anyway, it's a little bit after 9, so we can start, and if anybody else joins, that'll be great. So, I'm recording, and I think Bob is too, that's probably why he's in here, but why he's listed as being here and not here, but anyway... This is Friday, April 15th, and we're in Novel Ideas discussing The Boston Girl by Anita Diamond. So let's start off and see what everybody thought about the book. I enjoyed the book. Um, I really thought that, was it Barbara Rathaport, the, the reader? lent a lot of authenticity to it with her accent um, kind of put me right in in the setting I was telling Marsha that I, I work with a couple of Jewish ladies you know from Boston and, and they sound just like her so <laughs> um, but I enjoyed it I thought it was a nice story um, it was you know again uh, I'm always amazed at the resilience of people and the things that people, you know, just the families and, and, and uh, you know, coming here and not knowing anything and, and making making it big. Yeah, I'm not big, but, you know, making it. Um, and what they had, the resilience of the whole surviving the flu epidemic and the war and the, just all of the hardships. Um, I think I particularly, um, I loved the end when she was really talking back to her granddaughter it it just it, it was just a heartwarming kind of really nice story. Well, Liz actually kind of talked me into to continuing to read it because I had started it a couple of weeks ago, and I got to the part you know where the Saturday Club was at the uh, uh, Rockport. Um, oh, can't think of the you know the inn or whatever you know the camp uh, camp thing whatever, and um, I'm like really? I don't think I'm really getting into this book. But she called me this week and said, I finished it. And she said, I really liked it. And uh, so I started, I picked it up again and started reading it. And I finished it about uh, 8.30 this evening. And uh, I'm glad I read it. And and Barbara Rappaport did, did do a great job. I had to get used to her reading style. I don't think I'd ever read anything that she's narrated before. Um, but I think after I got into it a little more, um, I think she did an excellent job. And I, I did enjoy the book. It was a nice, easy read and uh, just a very nice nice story. I think maybe that place was called, was it the Rock, Rockport Lodge maybe? Something like that. Yeah, and I, I feel the same way as uh, Liz and Marsha. I think I, I I enjoyed the book. I thought, uh, uh, I mean, it was it was it, it was a, a you know kind of a heartwarming tale. I liked the, uh, the I liked the main character, and uh, I thought the narration was was very well done. And uh, I, I I just didn't get tired of listening to this woman's story. I mean, uh, I, I like books when they cover like. The long time period. I mean, she she covered the earlier years with a whole lot greater detail and was kind of like brushing through stuff pretty fast toward the end. But uh, I, I really, uh, you know, 
I, I enjoyed reading about this woman in her life. It was just, it, it was, it was well done, and uh, uh, people, pe- people back then sh- surely were, were were resilient. I'm not, I'm not sure the the current generation is is quite as. But uh, hey, I, I guess uh, uh, old, old, old farts like me have probably been debating that for for for, for ages, and will continue to debate it for ages to come. At the different generations, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, it was it was a good book. I'm glad, glad you recommended it. Well, I'm a generation ahead of you, and I've read a lot of books like this. And it was written obviously to go to her granddaughter. I mean, you know, the, the and it would have been good, I thought, for a family. But I got to the point where I'm going, why do I care? Because this story has been repeated by so many people down the line. I had a very hard time finishing it. I was, very honestly, I was bored. I, I'm going to be a group of one, I'm sure, but um, I've read so many books where this has been the key element, is their, their um, uh, stubbornness, their, their ability to get along. And I just, I just uh, didn't gravitate toward it. Didn't care for any of the characters particularly. Um, I mean, they were okay, but I, I wouldn't go read another one of her books. Well, I don't read many books of this ilk, particularly. So it wasn't old hat to me. Um, I did actually read a book about the orphan train a while back. I think it was for this book club. I don't really go to any other of the book clubs, unfortunately. But uh, um, So that was touched on a bit. But I, I read, I've read very few of this, this type of book, so I think that's why I enjoyed it. But I could see where it would be sort of a, um, a pattern kind of thing. Keep in mind that I was born um, only 20 years after this hard time that she's talking about, and a lot of it uh, I, I remember my parents telling me. So it could be a generational thing. I just sat there and said, okay, again? This book reminded me of another one, but I can't think which one, and because it just had, like, Liz and... Liz and Alan and Marsh, I felt like I was there. And at first, I didn't care for the narrator, but she kind of grew on me as the book went on. And I agree, I really liked the end where she was talking to her granddaughter. And I, I, I can see where, yeah, I, I can see why you might not have enjoyed it so much, Mickey, but it was, I thought, the dynamics were just, were really interesting. You know, you had the parents who never adapted to America, and then you had Betty, who at first was the outcast, and then she was the one who ended up holding the family together in the end, and it was just... I I enjoyed it. I think the saddest part of the story for me was when she, when her mother was dying and she kept, you know, she uh, 
Addie thought finally her mother is telling her that, you know, I love you. Um, and she thought she was talking to her other daughter, Celia. My heart just broke for her, you know, and I know that that gets played out in real life, you know. Just, but, you know, nevertheless, she went on, and, you know, obviously she... I would like to have heard more of about her life as a married woman and a mom and, and just more of her experiences of that. But um, So that was a little bit of disappointment that we didn't get a lot of her later life, but I, I don't know, I just, I really liked it. It, it kind of evoked feelings in me um, similar to those when we were reading um, The Shoemaker's Wife, and maybe even Eve's daughters a little bit too. Um, so it was similar to that in terms of family generational kind of things. But I don't know. I was wondering what other people thought about that. Yeah, I, I can kind of uh, I can see the reference to the shoemaker's wife. I, I, I'm having a hard time remembering Eve's daughters, but uh, I think I read that too. But uh, it, it was it was along the lines of the shoemaker's wife. Uh, and and that was that was tragic when when her mother was confusing her with with Celia. Uh, maybe this is a stupid question or and or not. But am, am I the only one that thought that Celia did kill herself? Didn't she? Did, did am I the only one that, that thinks that, or uh, or was it obvious, or or or, or am I wrong? I I'm pretty sure she did. Um, you know, I guess um, it, it almost made it sound like she really cut herself cutting potatoes, but no, I don't think so, because both of her wrists were slashed, and, man, you know, they didn't come right out. I don't believe that they came right out and said she committed suicide, but, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what happened, and, and that was tragic. I mean, it, it just sounds like Celia just couldn't cope with all of the demands on her. It would be difficult to be cutting potatoes and cut yourself that badly, unless it was intentional. Yeah, that's for sure. And both wrists also, you know. I mean, uh, you can cut your finger peeling potatoes but uh, or cutting them up or whatever, but not not both wrists. I really liked Levine. Um, I, you know, for, it just didn't seem to be a good match with him and Celia, but he really, I mean, he, you know, he didn't just abandon the family when she died. He really stayed with them, and and you know, just I just thought he was a real stand-up guy. Yeah, I, I, I agree. He 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 was. What was I, I don't know Yiddish, but Minch was that that seemed to be used favorably. But he he uh, uh, he was there for everybody. It seemed like. Uh, Regardless, so he seemed like he was—he was a really good guy. So, I—I I, I never really—I mean, Celia obviously had some emotional problems, but I never really understood. Well, yeah, you, you can't understand why somebody takes their own life and stuff. But I mean, obviously that you know they—they they do it because they do it. But uh, uh, it, it didn't seem like he would have been the cause of it. I mean. She apparently didn't want to get married to him, but uh, I, I never really understood because because he seemed like a pretty straight up guy. Uh, I I got a little tired of the uh, what I perceived as the mother, you know, uh, Addie's mother was the 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 the, tip, the stereotypical Jewish mother. It seemed like to me, and uh, she, she was she was very hard to like. But but then again, I guess a lot of that probably had to do with the time period and stuff. But uh, she just seemed to be uh, a, a, a little difficult. Yeah, she was not a likable character at all. And the, yeah, it's Minch. It's that's the correct word. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think Celia was, uh, you know, she didn't want to leave the old country. She wasn't a strong personality, and I think that the whole marriage thing was she was doing her duty. You know, this was her duty um, to both, you know, kind of alleviate some of the burden on her parents and to to do what good Jewish girls are supposed to do. And I I just think she was you know not able to really find herself and was just lived her life trying to please everybody else. Yeah, you're right. It was the shoemaker's wife. And some of Eve's daughters, too, a little bit, but more the shoemaker's wife because we were we were seeing New York get in the early nineteen hundreds in Minnesota and places like that. That was the one I was trying to remember, and the father too, he was a typical older. Jewish guy. He didn't want to leave his synagogue and he wanted to keep things just like in the old country and try to hold Addie hostage, really. He didn't want her to he wanted her to stay home and take care of him when when Betty and her husband wanted them to move to the new house. So uh, Betty ended up marrying Levine, and they—they—they they, they seemed like they kind of bore the brunt of the the the, the, the misfortune of the family, right? Because they lost what they lost two sons in the 1918 flu epidemic, right? And then she ended up having like she ended up having twin boys, maybe. Uh. I know the, the, the but uh, uh, eh, I, I, I'm a trap. And then, and then that oldest son of theirs ended up uh, getting killed in the war. I think they said they kind of mentioned that in passing. If I got that right. Yeah, I think so. I see Linda's here. Hi, Linda. You want to add your thoughts to? what you thought of the book and all that. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Um, I I enjoyed the book, but yeah, boy, uh, it was, it was, um, it was really interesting. You know, she, Celia there, she, she was a typical Jewish woman. Um, and I felt kind of, I, I liked Addie and her, I guess you could say, rebelliousness. She, she was a real go-getter, man. She knew what she wanted to do, and she she went ahead and did it. <clears throat> um, and I was glad to see that she was strong enough to do that. Um, the... the um, the thing I, I, at first, I really didn't like the narrator at first, but after a while, I guess she kind of grew on me, because, um, you know, in the end, I, I ended up liking her. Uh, I actually read the book twice, because the first time I read it, 
I was like, I don't like this narrator. So I read it again, and I was like, you know what? She's not as bad as I thought she was. Um, <clears throat> but I, I've, I did feel kind of bad for Levine in some respects, you know. But but he was such a kind person and tried to tried to help everybody and tried to keep things. Um, he tried to make things as good as he could possibly make them for everybody. Yeah, you weren't the only one, Linda, who had who had those feelings about the narrator. Um, I she had to grow on me too because I didn't particularly care for her reading, you know, her her style at the beginning either. But um, as the book went on, I did, you know, she did kind of grow on me some. But I wanted to go back here, back when when Addie went to the Rockport Lodge. Yeah, I do believe that was it, Alan. Um, and she just, you know, left and went and, and came home. And I know she was really upset on the on the ferry uh, boat. What are they going to, what are they going to say and all that. And that's when, of course, uh, Celia was, uh, betrothed to Levine so nothing happened but I didn't quite understand why there wasn't more said about her her that she was gone for an entire week Um, I mean her mother being the bitter woman that she was I mean after all she was her uh, Addie is her daughter and her father, you know, I mean, it, it was it's like it was no big deal. Is that a generational thing also as far as your kid goes off with no word, uh, no explanation, no note, nothing, and that's and nothing happens? I just, I never did quite get that one. Yeah, I sure would never have been able to pull something like that off. Um, but, you know, I wonder if that kind of really... Uh, magnified just how unimportant Addie was you know because her mother just always seemed to be bothered by her and um, I didn't get the impression I, I don't know I just I just think that that kind of like really emphasizes just that she was kind of a lost child of the family and oh well she's she was gone now she's back and you know, her mother just kind of, well, she's going to be just like Betty. Because remember, Betty had kind of laid the groundwork when she left for her. Um, so, And then they were just all so excited about Celia getting married. I don't know. I, I just kind of, that was kind of weird. But And I don't know that that would have been, un, although they wouldn't have had, I mean, I don't know that they would have been, because they, they made some references to the police. You know, the, the police didn't really care about immigrant families, so who are they going to go to to help them? I, I don't know, that was that was a little weird. No, that wasn't a generational thing. That was, it, it came to be almost sound, sounding like uncaring parents. And I think what really bothered me about the book is that it was so grim, there was no joy. And life has its bad parts, but it has its good parts too, you know, and, and, and you know how you feel when you're sitting with someone that's, 80, 85 years old, and and they're telling you all about their aches and pains and their owies and their, you know, and and I, I just I just said enough, you know. I really, 
I wanted to hear something that at least made me smile. I think Addie had a little of that because she got to go away and do her own thing and yeah, they they had their problems at Rockport Lodge too, but like with the cook when her son was coming after her for money and bootlegging, but I think Addie and her friends created their own joy and their own fun, but yeah, there were a lot of grim scenes in this book. Well, I I don't, I can't, I think Betty had a lot of, if not joy, at least she had some, she, you know, she was a go-getter. She was, uh, I think she had a lot of upbeat uh, times in her life. She was good to her, her uh, sons. Um, she was nothing like, like her mother uh, raising, uh, raising Levine's uh son and her three um, after uh, Myron and Lenny died of, I guess that was the influenza epidemic there in, in 1918, 1919, whatever. So I think, I always thought Betty was, was a, if not a joyful person, at least an upbeat person, and she had a lot of love in her heart. I mean, she always thought of, of uh, Jacob as being her son. In fact, there was one part of the book where um, it was kind of pointed out that he was her favorite and uh you know it was just like she was raising him as her own and so i think she had a lot of giving in her and that was uh that was definitely not grim yeah and when Addie got married you know that was that was a a good time for her as well so yeah there was a lot of grim but Thank goodness there were some joyful times. You know, there there was a lot of grim. Um, it might have been the time. I mean, they really did come through a lot of stuff. And the uh, immigrants, I mean, they really did not have an easy life. Um, and they still don't. I mean, it's much better than it used to be. But, you know, they go through a whole lot. of. The, you know, it's not unusual for immigrant families to face a lot of depression when they first come here because, you know, they... Yeah, they recognized the value of being here, but they're also leaving behind a lot of stuff. So there is just a lot of separation anxiety. Um, And I I wonder, you know, if somebody were writing a story, you know, similar storyline, but in current days, if it might not sound kind of grim, if they figure, you know, well, the... We immigrated, and then we had to live in this ghetto, and then we had to, you know, deal with all these political issues, and now they want to deport us. And, you know, I, th- I think we could probably hear some pretty grim stories from immigrants today, too. Um, but, yeah, the, I, it may have been more balanced toward the, the sadness and the hardship, but there, there was enough joy along the way. Um, I particularly loved the way the Saturday Club girls really kind of... St- you know, stayed together and followed each other, and that was really important for them. And I think that the Saturday Club for Addie was her salvation as a as a kid. You know, as a young girl growing up, and just that was her gateway into the world and away from her family. You know, meeting other people and finding joy. That was the first time she ever really had fun was when she went to Rockport Lodge for the week, I think, and the Saturday night, the Saturday club she really enjoyed that 
and that was the highlight of her week. But I think for her, the first time she went to Rockport Lodge was really, that's what changed her life, going there and having that experience. It was just interesting reading about the settlements, and that was the things that they did. It was, I've always been interested in that. And when she started, when she was talking to Addie about going back to school for social work, it reminded me of some of my college courses and she was talking about the professor and how when she first met her and she first took her class, she knew she was hooked and just kind of took me back because I had somebody like that too. And, you know, the she had that mentor and it was just interesting reading about that and the early settlements and the, the things that that they did and how she was looking back. I just, I loved that part toward the end. Yes, I did too. I got to admit, I like that. Um, because it was something that was very, um, uh, again, akin to what I have had to do. Um, I, I just, I, it, it was so overwhelming that it uh, almost did me in, that's all. <laughs> well, you know, we don't all have to like every book. <laughs> It'd be pretty boring if we did. Yeah, for me it was kind of fun. I lived in the Boston area uh, for about 19 years. So it was kind of fun for me, you know, when she would talk about different places like the North End and and just, just different areas in Boston. So I, you know, I could kind of take myself back when I went to these different places. So that was kind of fun for me, too. Well, I maintain that a book club gives you books that you wouldn't ordinarily read, and I take them actually as assignments because I figure I wouldn't read it. How do I know if I don't read the whole book? And if I liked every book, I'd be a very shallow reader. I agree. I kind of view book club books as assignments also. I mean, it's something that everybody has decided on, you know, to read. And uh, there have been books that I never would have dreamed that I would have read here. And uh, um, I, I, I think it's kind of cool, actually. I mean, it kind of opens your, opens your eyes to different, different genres of books. And uh, I, that's, I, that's why I like uh, coming, because, you know, it's like, I, I know I would have not read this had it not been for the book club. So glad I read it. Whether you like a book or not, you know, it's, it's good to examine new areas. Um, yeah, me too. I agree with that. Uh, that you know, not because there's books that I would have never thought to pick up and read here, but um, discovered some really, you know, good ones that I really enjoyed. 
I'm usually can find something that I like in a book. I may not like, for example, you know, um, I really didn't. The um, oh, what was it? Uh, Sam's letters to Jennifer. I really didn't. I mean, that that book was pretty full of cliches and, you know, complete with the terminally ill boyfriend who miraculously gets cured. And You know, it was it was a little odd, especially coming from... It was James Patterson that wrote that book. It blew me away. Um, but I wouldn't have read that. But, um, yeah, so when I'm reading a novel, I kind of take it for what it is, and I can find something that I enjoy in it, and it may not be something that I would ever read another author, you know, another book by that author again, but um, I guess I, I tend to try to, you know, take it for what it is and move on from there, because I, I do a lot of nonfiction reading um, as well, so the authors are kind of like a way to, uh, the, I mean, the, the novels that I like to pick up and read are the way of cleansing my palate in between more nonfiction stuff. <laughs> well, I was a, proof, a proofreader for 38 years, and I maintain, again, that there isn't a book that you don't learn something from. And I'm an info junkie, so there you go. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely enjoy go, doing book clubs for that reason, too. Um, there, are, there are books that I, yeah, I would have never picked up had it not been for a book club. Um, and I'm finding myself being more open than I used to be as far as reading. Um, I, I thought I had a fairly broad um, broad reading um, selection. Well, not selection, but my, I, I, I had a... I read a variety of things, but I... It's it's even better and more now, um, and and sometimes with an author, if I read a book by an author and I discover that I like it and I've never read anything else by that author, then it tends to make me want to read more books, especially if I liked it. For example, I I read um, <clears throat> Destiny of the Republic, and um, I liked it so well that I downloaded her other book, River of Doubt. And uh, I haven't started that one yet, but, you know, it does introduce me to more people, more authors, and it, and it's just interesting to get other people's perspectives on books as well. Who's the author of Destiny of the Republic? Her mind escapes me at the moment. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, darn, I can't think of her name, but it, it's a really good book. I'll see if I can find it. I'll find it. I'll look on Bard. Yeah, uh, if it hadn't been for reading Whiskey Island, I don't know that I would have ever read any of Emily Richards' stuff, and I've read five or six of her novels now. So, yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's a great way to meet new authors. Amen. Absolutely. I know I wouldn't have. And uh, <laughs> she is so good, but I, I don't know if I'm going to read that other series or not. But anyway, what was... Uh, Destiny of the Republic. What is that? Uh, what's that book about? Um, it was it was about the assassination of James Garfield, but it was more than that. Um, it 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 was it also talked about Alexander Graham Bell and how he um, 
you know, the he was more involved in a lot more than I never knew. You only hear about the telephone, you know, but there was a lot more to him. And then um, the the doctors back then and the medical profession and how how uh, narrow-minded they were. Um, historically, it was just a really interesting book. The um, and it it talked about how Joseph Lister, pe- the doctors in this country did not even they didn't want to hear about Joseph Lister's thoughts and ideas. And when a doctor from here did try to express, uh, you know, they were just thought of as ridiculous. Um, because um, James Garfield may have lived a, lo- a longer had they listened, and you know, you know, they this one doctor wanted to use kind of like an X-ray thing to see where the bullet was and to try to get it out, and they wouldn't do it. But or you know, it was just a really interesting read if you like historical. Um, books. I mean, it wasn't dry, and it wasn't. It was just a very well written book. A doctor I knew who retired in the 1930s felt that a blind person should go into cardiac. Uh, I mean, to cardi cardiovascular because it's all hearing. Yeah, right. It's Candace Millard, M I L L A R D. It's 73787 is the DB number. Thank you. Well, we can talk about next month unless somebody has anything they want to add to this discussion about the Boston Girl. See if anybody has any ideas of books for next month. I wish I had more to add about this book, but I I really don't. (laughs) I'm sorry to say. I mean, it was a good book, but there's just not a whole lot more at least that I have to contribute. Yeah, it wasn't. It, there wasn't a lot of twists and turns in it. Not not like last month's book where we could discuss a whole lot of stuff. It, it was just a nice nice story and with some interesting characters. But I, I don't have anything else to say either. Does anyone have any interest in the hundred year old man who climbed out the window and disappeared? I've never heard of it. That sounds kind of interesting, though. It's by uh, Jonas Jonasson. J-O-N-A-S-S-O-N. And uh, on his 100th birthday, this man uh, climbed out the window and said, I, of the nursing home and said, I, I can't stand this group. I, I don't want to sit around with all these old people and celebrate my 100th birthday. I'm going. And he uh, went to the bus station, and this guy said, will you watch my suitcase? And he said, oh, sure, I will. But you better hurry because my bus is coming. So he comes, uh, the bus comes, and he takes, picks up the suitcase and takes it, and he finally opens it up, and it's got $50 million in it. And what is he going to do with $50 million? It's a great book. It's funny. It's um, the first chapter you probably would get kind of wonder if you really want to do it, but if you stick with it, it's, it's absolutely one of the best books I've read in quite a while. Do you have the book number, uh, Mickey? It sounds it sounds interesting. No, I don't. I destroyed it. So 
So it's J O N A S S O N because that title would be kind of long to put in there. That's correct, and the first name is Jonas, J-O-N-A-S. It is translated from the Swedish, and they did a good job on translating. And if you like uh, Donald E. Westlake, I I think his wordplay is somewhat similar to that. It's it's, uh, a lot of wordplay and a lot of taking you back in history to to um, the time of Truman and Roosevelt and some of those guys. It's just a, a, an all-around good book. Sounds similar to the end of Water for Elephants. Remember when the guy left the nursing home to go to the circus and he went on with the um, owner of the circus? That was a fun book, too. Yeah, I like that. Um, it, it isn't really in that he gets mixed up. Well, he he talks about his history, and he just happens to be an expert in explosives, and he loves to blow things up. And you know, he uh, he at, at the end he says something about, well, I'm I'm telling you this, you know, because you're my grandchildren, and, and the grandchildren say, is it true? And he says, what is truth? And that's the. <laughs> it seems to me. Um, this is certainly uh, uh, sounds interesting, but, and I'm remembering that there was another book that was mentioned last month <clears throat> as a potential for this month, and I just wondered if anybody remembered that. Somebody had made a suggestion, and we decided to do uh, the Boston Girl. But then I thought that we had talked about one for May, but I may be wrong on that. Um, was it the others that we were talking about? Was that it, Liz? Yeah, I think so. You know what? I I typed in the others, and there were over there were thousands of <laughs> reference uh, records with the others in it. So I would. I, I'm. Is there a DB number that goes along with that? Because I want to read it. But yeah, it's like when you type in the others, it, it's amazing how many records pull, come up with that. Yeah, I don't know what the DB number was for that. Mickey, how do you spell that author's last name again? J O N A S S. Ian or Owen? Owen. Uh, hang on, I've got it. I've got it here. Seventy-five thousand eight hundred twenty, I think. Hang on, just a second. I had to read it for a book club, and it got universal acclaim. Yeah, seventy-five thousand eight hundred twenty. Seven five eight two zero. Which book is that for, Marsh? The hundred-year-old man that climbed out the window and disappeared. Now, what other book were we talking about? When you mentioned last month the others, when I typed it in to search, it it came up with thousands of records. So, is there an exact title and the book number? Oh, I'll have to go back in my um, his, history, you know, and 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 look it up. I don't have it right here. I found the hundred-year-old man. This looks interesting. Why don't we keep the others as a the month after. I mean, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say that because I'm too new to know how you handle things, but just a thought. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, Mickey. This one sounds like it'll be good. What do you guys think? Sure, I'm up for it. Sounds all right to me. Okay. Well, we can plan on this one. 
the title is intriguing. <laughs> Makes me want to read it. Yeah, same here. My goodness, it's unbelievable how fast books download these days. I remember I used to be able to have time to go over and look and see how what the what the download rate was and how many, you know, uh, DB per second and all that. But uh, now it's just so fast, you don't even have time to do that anymore. And I will look up, I will go back to my uh, history and see uh, if I can, I'm sure it's in there, uh, what the others was. And uh, um, maybe we can check that out. Be it known that I tend to read weird books. I just, uh, I find all the weird books I can and, and out of the mainstream, you know. But this one is definitely a mainstream that sold like, I think they said 40 million copies uh, in or, or, in uh, many, many different languages, and it's just really taken off. Yeah, like I said, the title intrigues me. I want to read it now. I like reading stories about people who plan escapes from nursing homes. <laughs> I actually worked with somebody who did that. He was a deaf guy and a quadriplegic, and he got one of his friends to help him and he took off from a nursing home one day. They lived in Oklahoma. He took off from a nursing home, and they came to Pennsylvania. And he ended, he was one of our clients. He got services, and unfortunately, he had to go back into a nursing home for a while till we found him housing, and he had attained, he was able, he'd been here long enough to be a resident, and he... He had some medical needs that had to be resolved, but it was actually, it was funny. He did. He he decided he couldn't stay in Oklahoma anymore, and he had friends here in Pennsylvania, and he wanted out of there, so he booked it out of there. <laughs> what was the DB number again? 75820. Okay, well, we'll do this one, and we'll meet on May... 20th, I believe. So, thanks everybody for a great discussion and thanks for the recommendation, Mickey. Marsha, the others, is it about vampires and all that? It is, but it's not really. I don't know how to, I don't know how to uh, explain it any better because I, <clears throat> I, how I ended up reading it, it was one of the books that, uh, Nolan Crabb recommended on uh, uh, Newsreel, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't read those kind of books. But he said, no, he said, uh, believe me, it isn't what you think. And he was absolutely right. And uh, I just, I read it back um, last fall or the fall, I think it was the uh, fall before. And I really, really enjoyed that book. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think it'll go over. There's some violence in it. Um, but it's, it's really a good read. Okay. Well, I don't normally read books about vampires either. I don't, I tried to read that Twilight series and just couldn't get through it, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but we'll do this one for next month. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one too. And I will look up the book number for the other one. And it's it's the others, and it's a it's a longer title, but but it starts out the the others. Um, 
So, but yeah, I, you know, no, Nolan, as Nolan Crabb said, I don't read this kind of book either. So, <laughs> but I, I thought, well, Nolan's recommending it. I'll try it. So it was definitely worth it. Anyway, I'm looking forward to reading about the hundred year old man next month. Yeah, same here. I, uh, I have to agree with you. I normally don't read those kind of books either, but hey, I'll give it a shot. Um, and, um, I think I'm going to get ready to get out of here, but you guys have a good good uh, month, and we'll be talking next month. Yep, you too. Take care, and uh, Linda, and everybody, and we will see you next month. See you next month. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Have a great month.